But let's pray for the message, and I'll dive right into the Word of God. Father, thank you so much. So much is happening already this morning, but we thank you that every aspect of it is worship. Every bit of it is focused on your presence. Now, as we open up the Word of God, may you speak richly to us. May you stir our hearts with joy and encouragement. Fill us, God, even with conviction and challenge to become more like you, Jesus. Help us as we open up your word to put all distractions aside and to hear clearly from you. We love you. God, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, When I was a youth pastor um, real early in the years of uh, leading the youth, I was able to take my youth group to a conference that focused really on revival uh, and mobilizing teenagers to become little revivalists in their schools. And I'll never forget a story. I probably already shared it here. I share a lot of stories. But there's this young lady in Ohio. She was probably a ninth grader, maybe a 10th grader. And she went to this camp over the weekend. And at this camp, she was radically saved. She gave her life to the Lord. She confessed him as Savior. But at the same time, not only did she become saved in the faith, but she got radically touched and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so that weekend camp was an incredible encounter for her. She goes back to school on that Monday morning, and she still rocks. Have you ever been hit with the power of the Holy Spirit to where you're like physically shaken by it, you know, and just overwhelmed by his love? And this is what was happening to this young lady. And this is a true story, by the way. And so she is in class She can't focus to save her life. She's literally overwhelmed physically still by this outpouring of the love of God to the point where her teacher says, I don't know what's going on with you. Obviously, nobody knew it was Holy Spirit and it's a presence of God type deal. They're in a public school. She says, why don't you go to the little lady's room and wash your face, collect yourself and come back when you're ready. So time goes on and on and on and on. She doesn't come back. The teacher gets another young lady in the class and says, can you go check on her? Minutes, half an hour, an hour go by. She doesn't come back either. They send another girl. This time she doesn't come back and she's like, okay, something's going on. She calls the administrative building. They send an administrator to the bathroom and they find three young ladies falling out in the power of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. <laughs> and what do you do, you know, when you see a bunch of little kids on the ground, you know, should have bought a Honda, but I bought a Kia, you know, just on the ground <laughs> saying words they don't understand. So they just pick the girls up and take them to the gym and leave them in the gym. Now, you can't have something weird happen on a public high school campus and not attract a crowd. So now everybody wants to come and see the weirdos in the gym. And as kids are stepping into what has now become a sanctuary, kids are walking into the very manifest presence of God. Kids are getting saved. Kids are getting knocked out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Kids are getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. It's an incredible scene. I mean, dozens and dozens and dozens, even teachers are getting hit with the power of God. So much so that they shut down the school the next day. By the end of the week, there had been nearly 100 kids that had given their lives to the Lord, baptized in the Holy Spirit, including administration and some teachers. Incredible story. And I know that this is a powerful testimony, but it's also such a vivid demonstration of what expanding the kingdom of God looks like on earth as it is in heaven. 
it demonstrates the ease of just being lost in the love of God, being you, comfortable in your own skin, and just doing it with peace and with joy what he calls you to do and to see the effects of what happens when you surrender yourself to God. And today we're finishing the series, The Sweet By and By. And the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about heaven and expanding on earth as it is in heaven. In the first week, we talked about what heaven looks like. We talked about it's not this ethereal, imaginatory place that's just made up and it's a dream and it's symbolic. It's a real physical place. A new heavens will come down to a new remade earth. We will be resurrected with the new heavenly body. And in heaven, there are trees and rivers and lakes and fruit that comes in its season. I believe all my puppies that have passed away in the past will be there as well. It's going to be a a wonderful place. And last week, we talked about what we're going to do in heaven. Because many believers think all we're going to do is play harps on fluffy clouds with chubby babies and just be on our face worshiping God for infinity. And some think that's the most boring thing in the world. One atheist, as I mentioned in the last couple of weeks, has said that I would rather be tormented in hell than to be in this absolute boredom of heaven because they think it's going to be nothing but just existing. But no, in heaven, a real earth will be there and we will have a lot to do. We will worship God like the angels who cry out, holy, 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 every single day. We will be like them in worshiping him, but we will also work in heaven. Some of us who have jobs on on earth right now will continue those jobs in heaven. Some of us like me or nurses or doctors, we're going to be unemployed when we get to heaven because everybody's saved, healed, delivered, restored. But we will have work to do in heaven. We will be productive in heaven. And what's so amazing is that we will also wonder in heaven. We're going to be before this God who holds the universe in his hand, and it's going to take an eternity to fully understand who this great and amazing father is. So every moment of every day and all of eternity will be experiencing a new revelation and depth of the love and the character of God. It's going to be an amazing place. But today, I want to conclude by talking about the kingdom of heaven. So we know we're going to a real heaven We're going to do real work in heaven, but even now on earth, we have work to do that's going to have a ripple effect in heaven for all eternity. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, John the Baptist, uh, you know, this guy was from New York City. He was tough. He was a little out there. He wore a camel's hair and a leather belt, and he ate locusts. I think crickets are the worst thing on planet earth. They're ugly. They they always make you jump because they're fast. But this is what he ate, you know, and so he's there in the river, and he's calling for a baptism of repentance. And he declares in Matthew 3, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So many times, and what we're going to study here this morning in our main scripture, we hear about this kingdom of heaven, this kingdom of heaven. What is that all about? Well, first off, there's a lot of kingdoms in our world. So there's the kingdom of the world itself. The, the governments, the structures, the culture of our world. Then there's the kingdom of the devil. We know that the scriptures tell us that the devil is the God, lower G, lowercase g, God of this world. Those who are not saved, he has influence and control over, and he has a, an influence in lies and deception. He has a kingdom. He has demonic armies. So there's a, the kingdom of the devil, but then there's the kingdom of heaven. And in the Bible, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are often used interchangeably. 
It is the sovereign rule of the creator of the universe, the king of the universe. In fact, uh, kingdom can be broken down to mean king's domain. Everything that's within his dominion, which we know, even though there are multiple kingdoms in the universe, there are multiple kingdoms around us, we serve the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and he is sovereign and ruler over it all. And we get to partner with God in living and operating in his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We get the incredible opportunity to be able to help other people find Jesus and welcome souls into heaven. And right now, heaven's already begun, and we're citizens of heaven, as it says in Philippians 3.20. So we get to partner with God as citizens of heaven to release his kingdom and his world all around us. And John 18.34, Jesus says, while his physical feet are touching the ground on earth, while he walked this, this earth, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. Earlier in chapter 17, he says, and you... And when, whenever he said to the disciples, he's also talking to us, he said, and you are not of this world. So though we live here, though we have physical realities here and circumstances and trials in this place, we're, our home is not earth. You know, uh, I had a Spanish pastor friend of mine, and uh, he was from Costa Rica, and he got his American citizenship. And so he, when he got his citizenship, he actually kept a dual citizenship so that way he can travel back and forth from Costa Rica to America with no problems. And so we celebrated, had a party for him for becoming the newest American in our church. And uh, we said, he's a dual citizen. And he stopped us and he said, no, I'm actually a triple citizen because I have an American citizenship, a Costa Rican citizenship, but ultimately I'm a citizen of heaven, you know, and that's so true. We have to remember that we are not defined by this world. Our true home is in the presence of God in heaven. And so even though we live here, our citizenship, our power, our anointing, all that we are and all that God has given to us is within the realm of heaven that we get to operate and move in and partner with God here and then. So we have a blessing uh, to partner with God in his kingdom. Now, you know me. I'm your young little Mexican pastor, and it's not... uh, not really difficult to find what makes my heart beat. You know, I believe in the, the cheesy line that it's about family, faith, fellowship, food, and football. You give me those five Fs, I am the happiest man on planet Earth. I don't need vacations. I don't need a cruise. I don't need fancy cars. You give me a happy family. I'm strong in my faith. I got a wonderful church family and fellowship. You give me good food and some awesome football. I'm on top of the world, right? It's not easy to figure out what blesses me. And I believe, I mean, it's not difficult. And I believe that it's not difficult to see the true heart of Jesus while he was here. Jesus had this incredible heart to see heaven invade earth. And I know this because in Matthew 6, when, he's, when he taught us how to pray, he said, and pray like this, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Notice that there is still a separation. He didn't say your kingdom, be, your kingdom come and will be done when earth is, when heaven is on earth. There's a separation. There's heaven and there's earth. But the realities of heaven need to be a reality here and now. And in heaven, everybody's saved. There's no sickness, no sorrow, no separation, no shame. But we can have a taste of that and a glimpse of that here. 
as we operate in supernatural ministry, as we work and partner with the Holy Spirit and the grace of Jesus Christ, we can pray for the sick and see them healed. We can minister to hearts that are, are sorrowful and bring joy. We can have an impact, a heavenly impact on people today because of our citizenship in heaven. But that is the heartbeat of God. And Jesus was very clear about talking about the kingdom of heaven. So if you have your Bibles, you can go with me to the gospel of Matthew. We're going to go to chapter 13. And here Jesus gives several parables on the kingdom of heaven. And I'm reading now the New American Standard. And in that version, it actually says the kingdom of heaven. So we're going Matthew chapter 13. We're going to start in verse 24. I'm going to read uh, three small parables, and then I have uh, two little things that I feel like the Lord is speaking from this passage of Scripture. So Matthew 13, verse 24, Jesus presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. And while, but while his men were sleeping, the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. But when the wheat sprouted and bore grain, then the tares became evident also. And the slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then, how then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No. For while you are gathering up the tares, you may uproot the wheat with them. Allow both to grow together until the harvest. In the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, First, gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them up, but gather the wheat into my barn. Uh, time out there real quick. So Jesus is saying, in the kingdom of God, you need to realize that there are other kingdoms. There's an enemy out there. And while we are trying to plant good seed, while we're trying to produce great fruit for the Lord and to have his kingdom expanded on earth, at the same time, the enemy has a plan. And he wants to throw little disruptions and, and distractions in our lives to try to, uh, to try to throw us off. But what I, what I take from this is that God's like, don't worry about the enemy. I'll take care of that. You focus on me. You focus on fruit. You focus on faithful ministry. And at the end of the time, when the time is right, there is a lake of fire. And believe me, I have something prepared for the enemy and for his demons and everything else. You focus on my kingdom. Then he transitions into the mustard seed in verse 31. He presented another parable to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. And this is smaller than the other seeds, but when it is fully grown, it is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. And then finally, just three more verses here. The leaven, he spoke another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid three pecks of flour until it was all leaven. All these Jesus spoke to them, to the crowds in parables, and did not speak to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was through the prophet. So a mustard seed, smallest little thing, just a tiny bit of faith, and boom, you can create something that has no end. And then he says, leaven, I am the worst baker on planet earth. I can throw down on some good food. I'm making a bacon barbecue blue cheeseburger tonight for my family with some zucchini fries and an air fryer. I can throw down in the kitchen. But don't ask me to bake nothing. Oh, my God. 
I, it's a, I don't like baking. I, uh, you people here who know how to bake, I envy you. But to me, it's a science project, and I failed science in high school, and I don't get it. And if I'm off by any little thing, I ruin the whole thing. But I've never worked with, with yeast. I've never worked with the leaven. I've, I've never worked with, okay, here's this big lump of, of dough, and it's flat, and it doesn't look like anything good. But if I just sprinkle some of this magic dust on it and put it in the oven, it blows up, and it becomes red. I, I don't figure that out, but it takes just a little bit. And I think we underestimate the influence we can have as children of God in this world to influence it and allow heaven to invade earth. If we have even just mustard-sized faith, and even if we have just a little sprinkle of surrender, what God can do with our willingness, it's amazing. And we need to understand that we are not bench warmers in the kingdom of God. We are overcomers. In the New American Standard, in Romans 8, it says we overwhelmingly conquer we are overcomers. We are not bench warmers. We have a job to do, and we can't be afraid. Right out of high school, I was working part-time for the church and serving in youth ministry, but I wanted full-time hours. And so I took a, a summer job at Napa Auto Parts in the warehouse, and I worked with my best friend who served with me at the church. And then we had a 3 because there was um, another lady, a young lady who was married to a Marine and had two little kids. And me and my friend were talking about church coming up that night. And she's like, oh, y'all, y'all believe in God. And I'm 18 years old. I've never met an atheist in my life. And I look, I go, yeah, why? She's like, oh, I don't. And I was shocked. I've never met an actual real life atheist in all my life. I grew up in a Christian hall. I grew up with people who all, even if you were a gangster in my block, you still at least believed in God, you know, had a tattoo, you know, with all your other tattoos, or at least you had a cross, you know, you had something. And they at least believe, but I've never met an actual atheist. And I just said, whoa. So you're telling me that you will live life, even if you die at 40, you can have the most miserable life ever. And then when you die, you just cease to exist? And she goes, yeah. And I just blurted out in my immaturity and my shock. And I said, that's incredibly depressing. And she looked at me and she goes, I know. And I was so shocked and so uh, fearful that I didn't know how to handle the situation, I just went to work silently. And we went back to work silent the rest of that afternoon. And I'm like, here's a lady who has told us that she's married to a Marine who beats her, that she's raising two beautiful little kids, and that she does not know the Lord in her heart. So naturally, these kids are going to be raised up with the thought that there is no God out there. And that's an incredibly sad story. But what's even more sad is that this Christian who had truth and had the answer said nothing. Now, I don't care if you've been a believer for one day. That's one day more than somebody who doesn't know the Lord. You can love. You can encourage without a Bible degree. You can say, this is the faith I have. I believe it with all my heart and continue to do something, but I did nothing. And we need to realize that we are not bench warmers. We have a mission from God, a co-mission with him to go out and expand his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 19, he says, I give you the keys of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. We need to realize that that binding and loosing in Matthew 16 that's a legal term. That's like this, this document here is legally binding. It's a legal document. And Jesus is saying, you have a legal authority and a right to expand my kingdom. And he used keys. Uh, that's amazing because we know with Adam and Eve that they were given the keys of the kingdom and it was a perfect world, heaven on earth. 
And God said, just expand my kingdom. They had the keys, but then they allowed the enemy to deceive them. They welcomed sin into this world. And symbolically, they handed the keys over to the enemy. And all throughout the Old Testament, the devil had power and was destroying and had destructive tendencies and so forth. But Jesus came and he died on the cross and rose from the grave. He took the keys back, destroyed the devil completely, rendered him powerless. And even in Luke, it says, I gladly give you the keys of the kingdom. But this time, we can't mess it up. This time, it's all on what Jesus has done and not on what we can do. And keys, keys give you access and keys give you authority. Much like the keys that you have in your own home. You know, you control the number of keys that you have and you lock that door and you allow some in and some out and so forth. You control that. So we have access and authority with the keys of the kingdom. And the only thing that will prevent you from going through the open doors that God gives you and walking in authority is fear. And we have to remove fear from our hearts and not be Christians that are silent and immobile because we have all of heaven backing us up. We have all of heaven backing us up. In Acts 1.8, it says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. That's very true because the disciples were cowards. They were little scaredy cats when Jesus was with them. I mean, if Jesus was with me, I remember uh, when I was working at that Napa Auto Parts, I had a friend named Junebug. Junebug was a 6'4", 300-pound, 8% body fat Samoan who worked with me. And any time that me and my friend and Junebug went and hung out at the mall or, or somewhere, I was riding with Junebug. I walked like this when I was with Junebug. He played for San Diego University. He was a football player. I didn't care who messed with us. I didn't care who came and encountered us. He was like, get out of my way. I'm like, you got something to say, Junebug? <laughs> I'm rolling with Junebug. But... These disciples had the creator of the universe, Jesus in the flesh, and they were scaredy cats. They cursed out a little girl and said, you were one of them that was with them. And he said, bleepity bleep, no, I'm not. And he ran away. But then came Pentecost, then came Holy Spirit, and something was different. Jesus said, it's better that I leave so that the Holy Spirit can be deposited. And the moment that the Holy Spirit came upon them, they became world changers and went to the death even for Jesus. So that's why I say that when we're baptized in water, in water baptism, symbolically we're dying to our old self and we're resurrecting like Jesus coming back up in a new creation. It's an activation of righteousness. But when the Holy Spirit baptizes you, Jesus says, John baptizes you with water, but I will baptize you with fire in the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, I believe it's an activation of ministry and an activation of power. Now you have all of heaven not only backing you up, but all of heaven within you. Because we are told that we, our bodies are the very temple of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter about your mistakes or what you do on a fleshly level. Inside in your spirit, you are wall-to-wall Holy Spirit. We have all of heaven backing us up. And that should light a fire in us. That, that should motivate us to say, God, I'm all yours. From the biggest things to the little things, because you have my back. I remember in, in uh, my sophomore year of high school, my mom bought a little chihuahua puppy and named him Tito. <laughs> little Tito, he fit in my pocket. No lie, he was a tiny little teacup chihuahua. Teacup chihuahuas are Mexican, and they think they're way bigger than they really are. And they got this machismo about them, and they're just annoying little dogs. And Tito was no different, right? I remember one day, um, he was in the backyard, 
and there was this black cat that would walk the fence line every single day and just tease little Tito. One day, that cat was actually in our yard, and little four-pound Tito goes after this probably 15-pound cat, and he's going full speed to this cat, and this cat just, you know how cats are. Dogs are so excited for you. Cats are like, hey. <laughs> you know, they just had this look of disappointment on their face all the time. I don't know why. But this cat was just like, hmm. It just took out couple claws, and once Tito got there, it just swiped him across the face. And this dog comes back with his tail tucked between his legs. My mom's picking up the dog. She's putting Neosporin on his boo-boos. I'm like, what a pathetic excuse for a dog. Are you kidding me? Oh, you just got beat up by a cat. Oh, man. Disgrace, disgrace. But a couple weeks later, that cat came by again. And I'm in the backyard, and me and my dad, we were grilling. We were doing something, and Tito's right there. That cat's right there. I look at Tito. I look at the cat. I look at Tito. Tito looks at me. He goes, no, senor, it's okay. No, I don't know. He's fine. The cat's there. Leave the cat alone. It's fine. It's fine. I said, Tito, come on, man. You're a dog. You're a I'm not joking. This is not an exaggeration. I literally had this conversation with my mom's dog, and I literally did this. Not exaggerate. I said, Tito. You're a dog. That's a cat. You're designed to go get the, come on, let's go, Tito. And me and Tito, I I really built this little dog up, and I ran, and the cat was afraid of me, so he took off. Tito thought it was him, and he's clawing at the fans. He's like, I'm like, yeah, Tito, yeah, yeah. So I'm building his confidence back up. And as dumb as an illustration as that is, that's what we look like with Holy Spirit. We look like we're going to war and we're doing all this good stuff in the faith and we're taking ground for, for God. And meanwhile, it's just Holy Spirit who's doing the work. And we are the feet, we are the hands, we are the mouthpiece. We are not bench warmers, we are overcomers. Then I also see that kingdom expansion is what we're called to. But it begins with small beginnings. It begins with the little things. Our main scripture today, we talked about the kingdom of heaven being like a mustard seed. It's tiny. It's little. It just takes a tiny amount, but it becomes a tree. And symbolically, I think that expanding the kingdom of heaven begins with the small things. You can have a neighbor that you just smile at. You can have a coworker that you encourage. I love text messaging so much because randomly I can have a thought like, wow, I just really appreciate that person. I'll pull my phone out right then and there. That's got to be you, God. And I'll just like, doo, 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 doo. love you, appreciate you, doo, 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 doo. you know, and I'll send them something that encourages them. From the smallest things, you have no idea the effect that that could happen. I mean, how did I become the pastor here at Southgate almost a year ago? I was a youth pastor at a local church. We were barely getting by. You know my story. We were once homeless. We came from California. Don't hold that against me. And uh, we went through the ringer because of betrayal of a senior pastor. We went through all this stuff. But I remember that the church that I was at as a youth pastor was dying. The numbers were going down. And I'm like, I'm just an associate. I'm just a youth pastor. So the, the minute that that money gets down to where they don't need me anymore, I'm gone. And I got a kid who's about to be a high schooler. And I said, I've been trying to become a Foursquare licensed minister for three years now. So I said, I got to get real serious. I need my license now so that in case I lose my job here, I'm ready to dive right into a Foursquare church. So I start calling people at the Foursquare office. Nobody's calling me back. I didn't know it at the time, but they're moving everybody around to the national level. I said, there's got to be somebody I can talk to. 
And so I just typed up, is there an area pastor? Do they have area pastors? And so I typed that up and I saw Joshua Logan Morgan, <laughs> Pastor Josh down in Waxahachie. So I sent him an email and I said, hey, I'm, I'm looking for a coach. I need to get licensed in the Foursquare. Would you be willing to partner with me? You know, could we have breakfast and maybe talk about this? He emailed me back. He always does right away. He said, yeah, sure. And so that was January 15th of last year. I sent one email to have one breakfast with one pastor. We sit down. He says, share your heart. Why, why Foursquare? And I shared this 10-year history of why I wanted the Foursquare Church and my heart as a local church pastor and what I wanted to see God do in this area in Texas. And I'm just, you know, flapping my gums. I didn't even eat that morning. And he goes, oh, okay, cool, cool. And he's just kind of like, <laughs> you know there's a church in Duncanville that needs a pastor. And I wasn't looking for the job. I was just wanting to get ready. And that was January 15th. By the end of February, we were received as the new pastors here. One email. One email has now changed the complete trajectory of the rest of mine and my family's life. One email put me into a ministry that I'm praying God would allow me to fulfill until I retire. One email. Mustard seed. Now, I challenge you this morning, what's your mustard seed? What's your one call? What's that one text message to that family member that you've been ignoring or that hurts you or, or that you need to go pursue? What's that one mustard seed of that, that job that you've been dreaming about but too afraid to go after? What's that one mustard seed that says, I've had this ministry in my heart, but I've been too afraid of what people will think? What is your mustard seed and what is holding you back? Because there's a dream that God has placed in your heart and there's ministry he wants you to partner with him about. But the only thing that's preventing that from happening it's the fear that lies in our heart. We got to get past that. God can use you in every situation. And before we go stuff our faces with some wonderful food, let me conclude with this story. And, and I pray it encourages you. We have uh, dear friends of ours who just uh, retired as majors in the United States Army. 23 years, 17 and 18 years old. They signed up for the Army, got married a month later, and are some of the most dedicated Christians ever. Can you imagine two, a mom and a dad together in ministry, three deployments, moving all across the country all the time in one of the best marriages you'll ever see in your life? That's a testimony in itself that you did over two decades in armed forces and your marriage is, is amazing and you have an amazing child. So they retire and now they have dreams of ministry and they're always ministering. Well, a couple days ago, uh, we get a text message from our friend, and she says, yeah, pray for us. Um, we're down to one car before we move back to Texas, so we're retired, and we can stay there. And we got into a little fender bender. I hurt myself a little bit, but I'm okay. Our car is just cosmetically damaged. But we got hit by an 85-year-old lady. Her car got totaled. And we're sitting there with her, and she's so upset, and she's so sorry that she hit us, that she causes pain. They ended up talking with that lady for five hours, 85 years old, had never accepted Jesus as Savior. And in that process of five hours, our friends were able to lead that lady to the Lord. And however many days and years the Lord has for her on this earth, she now has all of eternity. How do we respond when we get in a car accident? Oh, I can't believe it. This is going to cost me a fortune. Or do we have the wherewithal to, to sit back and say, Okay, God, this is no surprise. Mustard seed, I can do a small little thing here. It's okay. That's why we have insurance. Are you okay? How can I pray for you? There's always an opportunity 
So we've learned about heaven and where we're going to go, and I've gotten more excited about heaven. I'm like, all right, Lord, let's go. Retirement for me could be heaven. Let's go. I'm so excited for heaven. But I need to carry the same joy that says, even though I know where I'm going for all eternity, I want to bring that reality here. You can use me starting with just a mustard seed. You can use me with just a little magic sprinkle of the yeast and to watch it carry an effect that will transform lives and bring in souls to the family of God. So, Father, thank you for your goodness this morning. Thank you for a pause of of all the things we have learned this past year to be reminded of heaven, to once again revisit what heaven is going to look like. But I believe today, God, to be challenged and charged with this incredible opportunity we have to partner with the king of the universe to allow your goodness to invade hearts and ultimately salvation, deliverance, healing, and transformation. Thank you for this amazing group of people, and I know you use them. The amount of missionaries that are in this church, the amount of people who go above and beyond the extra mile to minister to each other. Thank you for hearts here today that are signed up and committed to faithfully follow you and to serve you and to bless everybody that you put in our direction. And now as we enjoy in uh, an afternoon of fellowship and food, we thank you for your goodness. Give us great talks and conversations. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.